everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Hydrogen Nowcast for September 3rd, 2021. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. The podcast is going to be a little different today. This is a show about hydrogen for hydrogen skeptics. Of course, our regular listeners are probably not hydrogen skeptics. So regular listeners, I want to rely on you to encourage people you know that are skeptical about the role of hydrogen or just have questions to take a listen to the show and see what they think. If you are a hydrogen skeptic, first of all, let me compliment you for having an open mind and taking the time to listen to this show today. You know, I personally make a point of trying not to succumb to confirmation bias by paying attention only to things which confirm what I already think. So the fact that you're listening shows that you're open, and I genuinely admire that. So, you know, hydrogen's getting a lot of attention today, but I think it's human nature that when we hear a lot of buzz and excitement about something, but we really don't see what all the fuss is about, we tend to react and we want to criticize it. And I think hydrogen is falling victim to that right now with both the press and with the public. Lots of people want to put it down. So to help restore hydrogen's image, this podcast is going to explain why we need hydrogen for the energy transition. What's it for and why do we care? I'm also going to tell you about different sources of hydrogen, and I think that answer will surprise you. And lastly, you know, how clean is hydrogen? Can it be absolutely green? And by green, I mean zero greenhouse gases. And then what about blue hydrogen? We'll talk about all that. So to get this color business out of the way first, you know, in general usage, Green has come to mean something that's environmentally friendly, but it's just a general term. It doesn't try to quantify how environmentally friendly something is. But for hydrogen specifically, green is a shorthand that actually signifies two things. First, that the source for the hydrogen is renewable and sustainable. For example, wind or solar, but definitely not fossil fuels. The second thing that green indicates is that both the creation and use of the hydrogen emits no greenhouse gases. So in this case, green really means renewable source and no greenhouse gas emissions. Now, you're undoubtedly hearing about blue hydrogen a lot in the news. And blue signifies that the source is not renewable, but the carbon is captured and sequestered. However, it says nothing about whether there were methane leaks before the petroleum was processed into hydrogen. So we're going to talk more about these problems later. But first, I think I need to tell you who I am and why I started the nonprofit Colorado Hydrogen Network. Well, I'm a retired engineer. I worked 36 years for Honeywell Aerospace, designing cockpit electronic systems and finding ways to make those projects meet financial constraints. In recent decades, like many of us, I've become gravely concerned about climate change. Now, as an engineer, I recognize that replacing fossil fuels with renewable energy alone, mostly wind and solar, has limitations, which I'll talk about in a minute. However, the pairing of hydrogen with renewable electricity can fill those gaps. Hydrogen and electricity are easily interchangeable. Your water molecules can be split into hydrogen and oxygen using a device called an electrolyzer. Now, this is commonly referred to as green hydrogen. Hydrogen and oxygen from the air can be turned back into electricity with a device called a fuel cell. This is one of the reasons hydrogen is so incredibly important and useful as we move to renewable energy. Now, hydrogen and renewable electricity are really just two sides of the same coin. Now, currently, 
Fossil fuels are deeply ingrained in our society, so replacing fossil fuels with renewable energy has a huge impact, plus it needs to happen as soon as possible. So change that big is hard to implement and even harder to envision. So there'll be difficulties and misunderstandings as we try to find the right way to replace fossil fuels. So that's why I started the Colorado Hydrogen Network, to educate and help deploy hydrogen in our society. So let's talk about why we even need hydrogen. You know, what's it good for? Why should we care? Well, to understand that, let's first put fossil fuels into perspective. You know, how they've worked for us and what they do. Then we'll talk about what it's going to take to replace them. And that's what's referred to as the energy transition. So fossil fuels really could be considered the Swiss army knife of energy. And, and by that, I mean, they serve many functions. They're the source of energy. They're a high density energy carrier. They can be easily stored and they're fantastically portable, which I'll explain in a minute. So to summarize, fossil fuels are a source and carrier of energy. They can be easily stored and they're portable. So let's start by defining what I mean by portability. Portability means the ability to quickly transfer energy. So for example, in less than a second, I can hand you a five gallon or a 19 liter bucket of gasoline or a tank holding five kilograms of hydrogen. And we've just transferred around 167 kilowatt hours of energy. Now to transfer that same 167 kilowatt hours of energy using electricity would take three hours and 45 minutes at the maximum household power in the US which is 200 amps and 220 volts. But even at 480 volts and 300 amps, which is huge, it would still take an hour and 10 minutes. So the point is moving electrons takes far longer than moving molecules. And it always will because there are practical and safety limits on how much power you can apply to a vehicle or draw from the grid. So hydrogen can help with the portability of renewable electricity. So to further illustrate why we need hydrogen, Let's see how the other three function of fossil fuels compare to electricity alone. So that is the source of energy, energy carrier, and energy storage. And by the way, when I say electricity, I'm really talking about the wind, solar, grid, and batteries. Now, as an energy source, wind and solar do a fantastic job of replacing fossil fuels. Not only can they provide enough energy, but they're also becoming even cheaper than fossil fuels. So our replacement source of energy is covered. But what many people don't realize is that hydrogen can also be a source of energy, which means we don't always have to make it from electricity. Now, hydrogen can be found naturally occurring underground, believe it or not. This is a renewable and a sustainable process, no carbon involved. Now, the company Natural Hydrogen Energy has a hydrogen well in the U.S. and more are planned. Now, another source of hydrogen is that we can extract pure, zero-carbon hydrogen from abandoned oil wells. Now, the way this works is that oxygen is injected into the well cavity, which causes hydrogen to be formed, and zero carbon, pure hydrogen is brought to the surface through a palladium filter. Palladium is a metal. Everything else stays underground. Zero carbon, zero methane. What's more, these abandoned oil wells currently need remediation. So this is a good way to solve that problem, plus put abandoned resources to use. So the existing well pressure is maintained so that the well is stable indefinitely. Additionally, this hydrogen is expected to cost 25 to 50 cents a kilogram at the wellhead. Now you can find more information on both of these techniques on the Colorado Hydrogen Network website at www.colorado-hydrogen.org resources. Okay, so what about energy carriers? 
Well, that's what our electric grids do. But what if we have sources of energy where there is no grid? For example, wind and solar arrays in some remote locations. Or we may need massive amounts of power for vehicle charging stations in remote locations or small towns that don't have that much power available. Now, we could expand transmission lines, but historically, the public has tended to fight the building of new power lines. But this is a role that hydrogen can play. Hydrogen can be transported in trucks, just as we did in the past with petroleum. In fact, hydrogen could even be converted to electricity in a fuel cell at our battery charging station and used to charge battery EVs. And actually, a number of companies currently have plans to do just that. Now, another benefit of hydrogen is that it can be used to transmit energy as an alternative to new electrical transmission lines. Energy can be sent as hydrogen in pipelines. A study at the University of Texas estimates that the hydrogen pipelines are actually cheaper than electrical transmission lines for all but the shortest distances. Now, this has the further advantage that pipelines are underground, of course, and invisible. So the public won't object as much as installing new overhead wires. And the pipeline is also not subject to destruction during hurricanes and tornadoes or even sabotage by terrorists. All right. So far, to answer the question of why we need hydrogen, we've covered energy portability, sources of energy, and being a carrier. So finally, let's turn to energy storage. Now, transportation is the most difficult case because we need an energy storage mechanism that's energy-dense, lightweight, compact, works well from minus 40 degrees to plus 140 Fahrenheit or plus 60 Celsius, and most importantly, in many cases, energy needs to be transferred quickly. So there's that portability aspect again. Now, gasoline, diesel, and hydrogen do that really well. But what about batteries? Well, unfortunately, transportation represents a really difficult environment for batteries. Batteries lose output at cold temperatures. Uh, you can't charge them if they're below the freezing point of water. And as I said earlier, you can't transfer the massive amounts of energy required for a vehicle in just a few minutes because of practical and safety issues. So none of this may matter in some cases, but in many cases it does. And that's why hydrogen fuel cell EVs are essential for transportation in all vehicle sizes. Okay, but what about utility energy storage? Now, batteries may have a place here. New technologies like iron-air batteries are being developed that are a tenth the cost of lithium-ion and hold a lot of promise for utility storage. And they'll also be orders of magnitude cheaper than storing energy as hydrogen. All right, so let's get around to talking about how clean hydrogen can be and whether it's truly green. So first of all, I want to emphasize that the Colorado Hydrogen Network endorses only generation and use of hydrogen that emits zero greenhouse gas, or at the very least, is carbon neutral. So zero greenhouse gas means just what it says. But what do I mean by carbon neutral? Well, nature is carbon neutral. Plant life pulls carbon dioxide out of the air as it grows, and then once the plants die and decay, the carbon goes back into the atmosphere. So if we use biomass to create hydrogen, then that's carbon neutral. But we can improve on nature if we add carbon capture to hydrogen generated from biomass and then sequester that carbon. This is actually carbon negative. So this could be one useful way to draw down the atmospheric CO2. So an example of this is the generation of methanol from biomass. Methanol is a really convenient and efficient way of storing and transporting hydrogen because it's stable at ambient temperature and pressure, and it will hold about seven times the hydrogen per volume of compressed gas. Okay, so let's get around to talking about that blue hydrogen. 
There's been a lot of criticism of blue hydrogen right now, and I think some of it rightly so. However, we have to be careful here. Blue hydrogen simply is defined as the energy source being non-renewable, but emitting no carbon dioxide. Now, there are good ways to do this and bad ways. Historically, the way to do this was a technique called steam methane reforming, or SMR, of petroleum. But there's two problems with this technique. First, there might be methane leaks in getting the gas to the reformer. And secondly, are they really capturing 100% of the carbon? Actually, in most cases, they're not. And then there's the issue of the large amount of energy required to perform SMR. So for these reasons, the Colorado Hydrogen Network does not endorse this method of hydrogen generation. But here's the overriding reason why this technique now makes no sense. It's totally unnecessary. That's because there's another method of extracting hydrogen from petroleum, which is cheaper, emits zero carbon, emits zero methane, and it uses abandoned petroleum wells. Now, I talked about this earlier in the section about the sources of hydrogen. But to review, this method injects oxygen into existing well cavities, which causes the hydrogen to separate from the carbon. And only pure zero-carbon hydrogen is brought out of the ground through a palladium filter. Now, it's estimated that these wells could produce vast amounts of hydrogen for a century or more. So this isn't a permanent solution like wind and solar. Still, it could provide inexpensive hydrogen that could more than compete with petroleum and help us rapidly change to renewable energy. It could also help us cost-effectively convert existing engines and power plants to zero-carbon solutions until those assets are retired and replaced with electric motors. So that's the overview. Let's summarize what you've heard. First, hydrogen can be made by splitting water molecules with renewable electricity with the process called electrolysis. And hydrogen can be turned back into electricity in a device called a fuel cell. And this is what happens in a fuel cell EV. Second, hydrogen and electricity are really two sides of the same energy coin. Third, we'll need both hydrogen and electricity to provide all the functions that fossil fuels provide us with now. Fourth, there are several sources of green hydrogen. Electrolysis from water, natural hydrogen wells, zero-carbon, zero-methane hydrogen from old petroleum wells, and hydrogen from biomass, which can be carbon-neutral or even carbon-negative if CO2 is captured and sequestered. And fifth, there are issues with hydrogen produced by steam methane reforming of natural gas, commonly known as blue hydrogen. This method is outdated, and there are better ways to obtain hydrogen from petroleum that don't emit carbon or methane. And sixth and last, because of the limitations of batteries, Hydrogen fuel cells are absolutely essential if we have any hope of replacing all vehicles with something powered by renewable electricity. So that's it, but I'd like to leave you with one final thought, and that is countries accounting for more than a third of the world's population now have hydrogen strategies in place, putting hydrogen firmly at the heart of the global race to reach net zero emission. The U.S. has earmarked $9.5 billion dollars for hydrogen in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and spells out an aim to reduce the cost of green hydrogen to less than $2 a kilogram by 2026. So that's the show for today. I hope you found it useful. If you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me best through the website at www.colorado-hydrogen.org or on LinkedIn. So listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, Consider letting people in your own network know about the show. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.